Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now. Get on over here and get with the program. Step up to the gate, baby. Come on now. Get with the program.
101.5 UMFM. This is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Elves, and that was Doug Shorts with Get With The Program, the A-side to a 7-inch from our friends at Daptone. Uh, that song will also be on Casual Encounter, a, uh, a full-length do-out on Daptone ASAP. Speaking of ASAP, we're going to get to the music as soon as possible so we can get to the interviews I did earlier this week. I talked to Kelly Mayo of the band Skating Polly. They're playing the Park Theatre on September 9th. Uh, but the night before that, opening for sleep at the Garrick is thrill jockey band Pontiac. And I talked to Van Carney from the group about a whole bunch of stuff. And we're going to get to that right after this other new single from Daptone from the group Faux Ferocious. This is Good Times Ahead. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM.
All right. Well, the brothers behind the band Pontiac bringing their act north this September, landing in Winnipeg at the Garrick on September 8th. Van Carney from the band joins me by phone. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I'm just down here uh, in Virginia um, at our brewery that my brothers and I own, trying to get stuff done. What's the craft craft brew scene like in Virginia? Um, it's good. It's good. I mean, it's vibrant for sure. Uh, where we are, where uh, we live in a, a very rural county. There's no stoplights in our entire county. There's no box stores. There's no grocery store. Um, it's pretty, 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 pretty low on population. So um, where we are, uh, it's cool. We grew up here. Um, we've kind of tried to create a space where people come to us because there's not a whole lot of people out here. Um, but statewide, the the craft beer scene's pretty good. I think I read your community is about seven thousand people. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, the decision to kind of have a craft brewery out of out of that area, like, uh, I mean, did you think about kind of sustainability or like kind of like break even points or things like that, or was it just something you wanted to do? Like, what kind of decision making goes into that as a, as a group? Well, we had just gotten done with I think it was our Innocence Tour in 2017. Wait, oh man, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna be challenged on dates here. No worries. No, that would have been 2000. Anyway, it was right around the time of when the Innocence came out, and uh, we were touring a lot. And um, my wife got pregnant, and then my brother Lane, his wife got pregnant. And opening a brewery out here was something we always wanted to do, and it seemed like the perfect time to do it because we weren't going to be touring as much. Because um, right. you know, with kids and stuff, it's just not feasible, and we didn't really want to. Um, so we decided to do it out here. Um, and sort of what we do is pretty specific. We make spontaneously fermented beer. Uh, it's wood fired. Um, it's, we use a lot of really traditional methods. Um, and we don't really distribute. Um, so it's, the model is a very kind of a boutique model. I mean, we, we really honestly think about it um, more like an art project. It's almost like an, a natural extension of the music. Uh, how, how the two dovetail together kind of blows our mind constantly. Like we can shift in between them. I don't know if you in your life have things that you do and you just you can't seamlessly shift in between them. You're like, all right, I got to just reset my head because I got to go do this other thing. Mm-hmm. But the, the brewery is not like that at all. I mean, like literally we can go practice and then come back here and there's just like no change of mental space. It's such a creative activity. It's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, so, I mean, because uh, my experience with brewing, I mean, there's sort of an artistic impulse in terms of, you know, the what kind of elements you use but there's also like kind of a, like a scientific thing right like there's you know optimal temperatures there's like length of, of brewing there's like you know the quality of the the yeast and hops and things like that is this kind of like a, a, an enmeshing of those two things and is that something that the three of you bring to pontiac as well yeah totally um that's actually a really good point because that's how they're so similar so in, for instance we've we've always recorded our own albums uh, you know, with better and worse results. But um, that part of uh, the musical process is nothing but on a, on a functional side, technical. Mm-hmm. So you just, you have to know how to, you have to know the physics and how it's working and how, how to use the equipment. And then you can bring in the artistic side of it of, oh, hey, also we're trying to get a sound that science is not going to tell you, hey, this is the good sound. But if you want to get that sound, sometimes you might need a little bit of physics to help you get there. Brewing is the exact same way. Um, you can, eat, 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 for us at least, um, I, 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 I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to researching and, and sort of getting deep into the science behind brewing. And then you can kind of throw it all out. You can just, you kind of just get really deep into it. And then you say, okay, well, we're still going to make this like people were making it like 300 years ago. But at least you know 
where you are, you kind of know the plane, you know the horizon. Um, and in what we do, you have very little control over the variables. And it's sort of like when you play live. It be- once you learn the song, you learn a set, and then it becomes something else. It becomes what it is in that time and place, and it really doesn't even exist outside of that place. Even if you record it, it's a recording of that happening. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that performance, um, when you can get in the zone and do that, um, is very similar to, to making beer in that sense, um, when you can kind of get in the zone and just say, because you're using your palate, and you're saying, okay, well, we have these 20 barrels that need to be blended. Half of them are probably going to get dumped. And there's, there's no science in the world that's going to tell you which one to dump. I mean, it's your palate. I mean, science can tell you, yes, this one's acetic, this one's oxidized, this blah, 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 blah. But it's really, in the end of the day, it's your palate in that moment, how you're feeling, that kind of thing. It's interesting you say, you know, you could do all this reading and then kind of like, you know, be like, whatever that's it, in talking to jazz musicians that's like kind of like having that understanding of like jazz tradition you kind of need to have oh, that right. underpinning before you essentially reject it or or you know issue it totally totally i mean see i don't really know anything about music i've never i never went i don't i can't read music um my wife comes from um a musical background she played in symphonies she can she knows music there she can read and write music i mean and i don't at all um, and I wouldn't even begin to say that I understand jazz. I have a great respect and love for it. And I have read exactly what you're talking about. Um, uh, you know, specific, specifically like Miles Davis, you know, would get in the room and just be like, okay, we're throwing all this shit out. Just let's, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, on the technical aspect of it, you know, like someone like John Coltrane, who just literally was like, was like giant steps. I mean, that piece of music technically, like, is the farthest out thing there that maybe has ever happened, especially according to Quincy Jones. But it's one of those things that, like, I wouldn't even begin to say that I understand what he's doing because I really don't. I do know, though, however, that I like it. Yeah. And um, so in that sense, we do. I agree with you. Like, the jazz thing is just a little hard because it does get really scientific and technical. Uh And I'm just, I don't know music that well. But again, like you said, you can appreciate it without necessarily having like the complete understanding in the same way, like your, your taste with the beer, you can, your palate says, Oh, this, this appeals to me kind of regardless of how it was made or what, like, you know, whether I rejected tradition in terms of brewing methods and it would, you know, match the German standards or, you know, however it came to be. Do you guys have like, kind of like a specific, uh, beer that you're kind of focused on? Like, like, are you, are you all yeah, over the map, um, or yeah. is like they're kind of like a specialty or, or specific one you guys do? Yeah, so we do. We make spontaneously fermented beer, which is known to the broader public and the world as lambic, which is made in a specific part in Belgium. Mm, yeah, specific geographical lo- location of Belgium, um, which is you make a very unfermentable um, malt sugar and you cool ship it overnight, which inoculates it with yeast and bacteria, and then you put it in barrels for a year to three years. And Lambic would be a single year, a single vintage, and then Giz would be a blend of one, two, and three year. And we just did our first blend of one, two, and three year um, spontaneously fermented beer uh, this year. We do not call it Lambic. Um, Lambic is a protected word, um, as Giz is. Um, It's sort of like champagne or Parmesan cheese would be. Right. Um, And so we have a huge amount of respect for that, and we do not pretend to be doing that. Uh, We just have taken in, uh, inspiration from that process, which allows it to, to do this specific thing, um, just like some people would make sparkling 
wine in the champenoise style, they wouldn't call it champagne. If they do, it's, they'll get sued. Right. <laughs> they shouldn't call it that anyway. But, um, yeah, so that's what we do. And then we do make clean, what I'd call, spontaneous beer tends to be uh, slightly sour, and it has a really broad palate on it. Um, we also make what we'd call, for lack of a better word, clean beer that um, is fermented with our own wild yeast uh, that we cultured from just outside the brewery about three years ago. We don't send it to a lab or anything. We just pitch it batch to batch, and when it's not, if it, if it doesn't meet our standards of taste, we just kind of, we can take a little bit of it and grow it up again and kind of start from there. Um, but that rarely happens. Um, you know, humans don't make beer. Really, you just, you're just propagating yeast. Yeah. Um, and uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which is what ferments bread and wine and beer, and uh, um, you make you can and then you distill that kind of stuff. Uh, that organism is really what's producing the CO2 and the ethanol and esters and everything else that comes with it. Um, so we're stewards of that process. Brewers are really just keeping your yeast happy. Is that is there any kind of like a comparative point with with music and kind of like song creation? Like, you know, where it comes from and, and how it coalesces as, as a group? Like, is does it yeah, totally. ferment I, yeah. in some sense? Yeah, no, I, that's literally what I was... Yeah, I was... It's the same thing, like, we're talking about, like, with jazz. I mean, you kind of get in the room, and if somebody starts to try to control a certain part of it, if you trust each other, and if you're good... And if you can play even a little bit, you know, and you trust each other, and, and nobody's trying to control it. Nobody's getting in there and just squeezing down. And, and there are bands that do do that. I mean, there are people that are like, I'm the captain, and this is my fucking song, and this is how we're fucking doing it. And that's fine. That's totally cool. That's not how we operate. We get in there, and it's the three of us, and we just massage it out and just let it happen. And then we revisit and edit and revisit and edit and be like, that was terrible. That was fucking horrible. That was really bad. Or, you know, that was okay. Let's keep doing that. Um, and so in that sense, yeah, it's, it, it is like that fermentation process. You really just try to be stewards of of. of of what is going to happen and what can come forward. And really, you don't want to get in the way of it. You just want to give it opportunity. You want to foster its own growth. Mm-hmm. When you guys are on tour, do you try to find time to like visit other craft beer breweries and, and like, kind of get a get a sense of what's going on around, around the world? Yeah, we always do. I mean, we always get really packed. Like even now when we go on this sleep, tour sleep, we've already got like, I don't know, I think three or four things set up already. <laughs> so... It'll. We always do. We'll always go visit people. We'll go. <clears throat> we'll go and we visit wineries too. We kind of do the whole thing. Um, we're not just specifically interested in beer. We're kind of interested in all things related to, to food and fermentation. But um, yeah, we will. We definitely do. That's part of part of what's cool about going on the road. Is that you get to kind of network, and that's what I was saying before. Is like the two worlds, you know, just are co- totally intertwined like everybody like when we put our when we put our uh, announcement on our brewery like instagram site like so many of those people know who sleep are and know yeah you don't have to explain it to them you know what i mean so it's just like that that world is kind of already overlapping in a way right yeah i just know in talking to some bands like just the way they're routed and stuff they just like don't build in any kind of like time to experience those cities uh, <laughs> other than from the stage and it seemed to me like it was something because of your sort of natural curiosity about, you know, brewing and beer and food, that it, it would seem important that you guys do something like that. And, and make Oh, that totally. Time. I mean, it was funny because we were just talking to um, Wooden Ships about this. We played a show with them like a couple months ago in Italy. And uh, 
we were talking to those guys because we do a lot of stuff. We go visit all kinds of stuff. We'll go to, you know, UNESCO World Heritage Sites. We'll go camping. We'll go swimming. Like, we always, if we can, if we don't have, like, a, you know, an eight-hour day where you just got to get there and you don't really have time, like, if we have time, we will go do all kinds of shit. And it keeps us sane and it keeps us engaged. You know, you just, I just don't want to sit in the van and then get to a club and just sit there. Mm. You know, I don't really want to go shopping. I don't want to go out. I want to see what's there. Uh, especially on tour, we always ask the promoters, we're like, just, just what, what does your grandmother think is cool? And show us that. Because, <laughs> you know, it's just going to be something that's probably traditional from that area that people have a lot of pride and sort of ownership in. And, you know, people tend to tend to really just give in that sense, you know. Um, so that we really try to do that. I mean, it's way more fun if you're, like, doing stuff and just sit in the van and get into a club and be like, Ugh. Is that part of what's lent itself to the longevity of the band that like you made an effort to do this kind of thing and, and that, like keep it interesting for yourselves? Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I would, that's just kind of how we exist. I would put that more in the category of just sheer stubbornness. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, at all odds, we were just talking about this, man. We'd like for the first six years of touring, we, um, we would sleep in the van and, um, I mean, we were just talking about this two days ago. We literally had this one tour where we had this really shitty old GMC van. It had like no windows except from the front and had no seats in the back. So we had two seats and we had like a basically like a recliner in the middle. And um, we had kind of built some lofts in it. And we were traveling and doing a tour of the Deep South and we were sleeping in the van in the middle of the summer. We stayed at this one place um, in a parking lot somewhere in Louisiana. It was just so ridiculously hot and we had like a handle of gin and i think we probably had some weed and we were just like god it's so fucking hot all right what are we gonna do it's like all right well we're gonna have to crack the windows you know <laughs> and uh so we did you know and then we fell asleep and when we woke up it was like it was the amount of mosquitoes that were in the car and the amount of bites that we had on us was it was ridiculous I mean, we just we couldn't even believe it <laughs> just like we remember that the other day man like oh man i would never want to do that again so we got up and at that point, we were making breakfast and eating. We were eating all of our food out of cans, and we had like a cook stove. Mm. So we would just, we just like got out, and we were just like covered in bites. We had no shirts on, and the proprietors came out. It was like a Best Western, and it was just like they're kind of like, like, what are you guys doing in our parking lot? And we we're like, hey, you know, we just try to cook breakfast. It's like cool, we're going to make for just this. And we're just like covered in bites. We must have just looked pretty sketchy, but you know, stubbornness. Stubbornness. Uh, you mentioned that you know you're you've had a child uh, in the interim and and that kind of brought you back home to do this brewery and focus on that. I, I'm curious, always uh, you know, uh, I'm a father myself. Uh, the impact that having a child has had on sort of like your creative output and whether you kind of have uh, <clears throat> like reconsidered sort of legacy and what you know your your musical output is for your child and for for the future. Yeah, I mean, I, since then I've actually had uh, twins as well, so I have three kids, um, oh. and the twins are like 16 months old, I think, and then my oldest is just four, um, and I was literally just, I was just watching all three of them, and then we were literally just playing music together, and we constantly, I've got guitars and pianos and drums in the house and everything, and we're constantly playing pian or guitar. In fact, I have this like 1952 Gibson 225 that's in mint condition. I had one of the twins sitting on my lap, and I wasn't noticing, he was like chewing on the back of the neck, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, this thing is in, like, mint condition. I was like, oh, no. But, like, um, they, 
they I, I do think of that like we've always said about the band that like we take it very seriously but we don't take ourselves seriously at all like genuinely mm. and it keeps it fun you know we take it very seriously the creation and all that kind of but we don't take ourselves seriously like just we just have a good time and we just try to try to you know do it and, and having kids is just you let go of even more of that you're just like wow you know just wow i just am really it made, it made me a lot more efficient as a human being and it made me a lot more efficient in the creative process too like you just can kind of see oh yeah that's really not worth doing being a parent forces you to do that i mean you just don't have time to do certain things so you have to triage and be like okay that's out do it this way and it's just kind of kind of just experience has done that with the creative process too and i hope that my kids you know um they've grown they've been growing up in a super musical household um you know just love it as much as i have have, have loved it right triage is exactly the way i describe things with my kids too it's yeah, how many kids do you have four. Oh boy oh boy how old are they uh 10 8 5 and 2 oh man yeah you got a whole spread yeah that's awesome <laughs> and I get you with the like the toddler that's like suddenly chewing on something because you're not watching them. You know that's just that's what toddlers do. <laughs> totally. Uh, before I let you go, Van, I want to get you to uh, pick a track off the most recent. Well, actually, I mean, pick it off of any of uh, of the output uh, in the catalog. I know you guys are working on some new stuff, right? You were in the studio over the winter. Am I mistaken in that? Uh, no, we we were um, this past winter. No, we were. We, we haven't been working on anything, anything now, but we're just getting probably just ready to. Um, probably before we hit the road with sleep, we probably will. And then while we're on the road, we always tend to work on stuff, um, which is really fun. Um, and then because we're, we're trying to get another album out there, um, which with the brewery and with kids, it's like, when do you do that? So, yeah, no doubt. You, know, you just get you just got to, and that, that's the part of being efficient. You just got to fit it in. So, um, but yeah. Must have been a so rehearsal space photo or something I saw uh, from like January, but uh, just made it. Uh, so that was when we were getting ready to go on our European tour. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, we went on a European tour, which we never finished in 2017. So we had to finish it now. Um, but yeah, a new a track off of an album. Uh, let me see. Uh, Lane says, Ignorance Makes Me High or Hidden Prettiness. Any particular reason he's picking one of those? Uh, any particular reason you're picking one of those? He said those are the ones I like the most. <laughs> there you go. Those are, that's a good enough reason. Uh, so you guys will be at the Garrick September 8th, and you mentioned alongside Sleep. You guys are on that uh, that Canadian tour. Uh, Van, thanks very much for taking some time out of your day to talk to me, and uh, and safe travels, man. Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks for calling.
from Winnipeg's The Bros Landreth. That's good love from their forthcoming album, 87. The Bros just dropped that one today. The album comes out at the end of September, and they'll be on the road playing all over North America, including a sold-out Toronto show. Kudos to them for that. Uh, Coming up right away, we've got Bridal Party, who are coming to town September 21st to play The Handsome Daughter, all the way from Victoria, B.C. New album is called Too Much. And uh, it's just enough. We're going to hear a track called Attention. Uh, And then uh, coming up right after Bridal Party, my interview with Kelly Mayo of the group Skating Polly. 
And fingers crossed we're going to get Bridal Party on the phone in an upcoming episode before they come to town so we can talk to them about their record. Keep it locked here on Thank God It's Free Range.
quite well coming to Winnipeg to play the Park Theater September 9th, Skating Polly. And joining me by phone, Kelly Mayo from the group. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm doing so good. How are you? I'm doing uh, very well, thanks. And excited to uh, to talk to you and to, to see you guys come to town. Now, uh, I know this is kind of a, a big stretch of shows you got coming up. Um, I'm always curious to talk to artists about kind of like the, the preparation and, and what goes into it. Like, are you uh, doing you know, calisthenics and yoga and things like that to kind of get limber for the road? Or do you have kind of rituals that you do for like a sustained tour like this? Um, yeah, uh, that's funny. Me and Peyton actually do start like running a bunch and, and exercising more before we go on tour because we just want to like build up our stamina. Like, because whenever you're playing long shows um, of jumping around and stuff, you, you uh, <laughs> sometimes take for granted uh, stamina. Um, but, uh, also just, I don't know, we've just been practicing again and every time we go out, we like to do something different in the set. Um, you know, try to change up the arrangements of the songs a little bit, maybe make something shorter here or there, maybe add a couple new songs to the set list or subtract. Um, it's always fun to like learn a song that we've never really felt like we have had a good live version of, so... We're actually currently like trying to get, um, which we're working on the first song off of our last record, the Make It All Show Classless Act, which I never felt like, I don't know, like I really loved the the way it sounded live, but now we're doing it a little bit differently and I'm really liking how it's sounding. Hmm. So and, you said, you, uh, know, you, yeah. you take songs <laughs> off and you add songs to the, the set list. Like, what are the decision making factors that go into that? Like, what what to strike from the list or what to add to the list? Um, you know, sometimes, I guess a few things, sometimes we just feel kind of stiff on a song. Like, there are certain songs that we've had in the set list for so, so long because it's at the top of our Spotify or it has the most YouTube views and it feels like, I don't like to deprive fans of things that they came to see. Mm. Like, you know, I, I want to play songs that everybody knows and loves and wants to hear. But at the same time, I don't want to play stiff songs for people. Um, and and if someone's seen us a billion times, I want there to be something new and exciting for them. Uh, yeah, I guess it just kind of depends. Like Alabama Movies, that's a song off of our third record, which we used to always end the set list with. Because um, it kind of has just this uh, middle part that's free for just kind of imp- improvisation and, and craziness and cool solos and that kind of goes back into it and it's just it's kind of a fun and just way to end the set but me and Peyton had been ending our set like that for like three years and then Kurt joined and we kept ending the set like that for like two years and then we just kind of got bored of it so we were like okay let's just stop playing that song for a little bit um so things like that sometimes happen I like to get people's feedback online and see what they want to hear mm. people request songs the day of the show and it's something that we've like loosely practiced for tour. Sometimes we'll try to bust it out, but sometimes I'm like, oh hell no, <laughs> that's gonna be four minutes of the set list that like sounds really bad because we don't, because we haven't played that song, um, or because we don't like to play it anymore. But yeah, so I guess it, it just kind of varies and depends. Mm-hmm. For our tenth anniversary show that's coming up, we're thinking about getting a bunch of songs from the second and third record that we've never played with Curtis before ready because 
we're going to be pressing those on vinyl and it's always fun to like have Curtis add an additional part so that they're not just, you know, me and Peyton songs, but they're me, Peyton and Curtis songs. They get a little bit more fleshed out. Yeah. So with uh, pressing the, the old records onto vinyl, I, I have to imagine you're like kind of re-listening to the masters and revisiting the records in some way with 10 years. Yeah. Looking, looking back, or listening back on on who you were then with versus who you are now, like, can you see like an evolution or a change in terms of the your songwriting or you know your musicianship or like wh- what's kind of your perspective on that that look backward? Yeah, I mean, uh, the songs just have gotten a lot more complicated. Um, it's always interesting for me to go back and listen. Um, uh, and kind of hear these lines and 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 the meaning of the words like will cha- have changed to me like you know I was kind of just thinking of some I I used to write a lot of my lyrics just like painting a picture or or a fictional story and not too close to me personally a lot of the time um, but as we kept progressing. I kept kind of starting with a personal route and then, you know, coloring it in with like fic- fictional elements, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of interesting to hear these things that I thought were just kind of spit out like, I don't know, imagery or um, narrative that I was just creating because I thought it was interesting and I liked that like now actually do kind of resonate with me. And also like, examining like where I was at that point and and you know the words that I was choosing and stuff like might have been more personal and close to the heart than I thought subconsciously that's kind of wild um and it's also just interesting to hear these songs um with like way less chords and much more simplistic parts but still kind of still holding their own and staying interesting um as of now, I get I get so bored whenever I'm writing songs, and I don't I don't I don't keep changing or adding layers and stuff. I get really like, oh, is it too boring? Is it too boring? It needs to move. It needs to move. It needs to grow. It needs to be different. And on those those two records and stuff, and I think we did a good job of making every song very different from each other and keeping the songs short if they were repetitive. And I'm kind of proud of my younger self. <laughs> With reflecting and seeing that you know your subconscious was maybe uh writing some of the songs or or that there was a, a layer to it does that reevaluate force you to reevaluate like your current songwriting like that there might be something you're not seeing at the moment um sometimes i think it actually kind of just makes me want to sit down and just spitball lyrics and not be too not put too much thought into every word um because sometimes that's that's just really therapeutic, and you can you can come up with some. Uh, sometimes you're more in tune with yourself when you don't think about what everything, you know, literally means and how it relates to you and how you how how do I feel and how can I describe that to other people and has this metaphor been used before? Oh, I probably shouldn't use that one. I should use this one. Oh, but does that still mean what I'm trying to, you know, relay to people? I think sometimes whenever you just you just like start playing and you just start singing about whatever you can, you can convey your, your message pretty strongly on the first couple of go arounds. Um, so yeah, so I guess it's kind of made me with the songs that we're currently working on. want to do that more. 
And I don't know if it made me look back at the Make It All show that would, and, and be like, ooh, but does this really mean that? Because with the Make It All show, that's one of these records, at least right now, that I feel like I have a very clear image of what every single line means and um, what every single song kind of makes me feel like and what place in my life that was and what characters in my life all the characters in the songs were and what sides of my personality these songs bring out. <laughs> so you have a, a clear sense of those songs. Did you have like a good, strong idea of the record before you went into the studio? Like did you kind of have either like a, not necessarily a concept, but like an overarching sort of vision for that record? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of a concept, which I would say is just, it's almost about like exploiting your vulnerability. I mean, with every single one of those songs, we, we made them so personal. And so just kind of a, a little chapter of our brain and we just kind of put it out there like things that were weighing on me pretty heavily. Every single song is dedicated to a portion of my brain or life at that time. Um, and I just, I wanted to make something, yeah, just, just really honest and, and, and just letting myself be as vulnerable as I, I felt like I could be. Um, and so, uh, you know, the make it all show, it's kind of that that title even references that like just being more comfortable i don't know talking about depression and sex and drinking and all that stuff <laughs> more honestly um shitty relationships good relationships horrible feelings jealous feelings bad feelings crazy feelings <laughs> happy feelings too really vulnerable i mean romantic feelings i think uh one of the most vulnerable songs is probably like one of the most sentimental songs on the record which is in my opinion flat one string because it's it's this love song and i'm not generally comfortable writing love songs because i think it's just hard i think a lot of metaphors have already put out there There's, there are so many love songs mm-hmm. um and i don't like being cliche and i don't like doing something a billion people have you know done um, and also, I just feel a little bit cheesy. It's hard to like write one without being cheesy. And but I was I was really really in love, and just like it was kind of eating me up. And I was just crazy about um, this person who lived really far away from me. And so I just kind of put this song out there, and he instantly knew it was about that about him because there's all these kind of very specific things I reference. Um, but I'm really really proud of that. That one and this vacation are probably the two songs we labored over the most. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you were writing things that were kind of heavy on you. Does making those songs then kind of lighten the load for you? Like, are you able to, I don't necessarily say shed the feeling, but like s- sort of separate yeah. yourself from it via it's like, the song? It's like you're putting that feeling to use instead of just letting it eat you up. Mm. Um, which feels really, really good because a lot of my favorite artists right now, like, Mitski and Culture Abuse and Phoebe Bridgers and Carsey Headrest and St. Vincent. Like, I feel like they do, they all do this really good job of just, I don't know. Maybe they don't offer you, like, the key to happiness or whatever, but they just let you know that they have these feelings, too, and that, that that's human. And they, and they really paint the picture of those feelings, and you know you're not alone in that. And so it's, 
I feel like even whenever I'm like wallowing in self-pity or something and I hear one of those artists, it, it brings me up a little bit. It brings me up knowing some, I mean, first of all, just knowing like art can capture that so well, mm-hmm. but also just that, you know, someone else is feeling it. So I, I think it, it was definitely just this really good release and I hope it does that for other people. And when people tell me that like my music helps them through things, that's like the biggest compliment. I think I read an interview you did where you mentioned when you were starting out the band and, and, and younger that Fiona Apple was a, a, b- a big figure musically for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fiona Apple is a huge influence to me. I am obsessed. She's one of my favorite artists. Yeah, and I mean, she um, she does that and has done that her her whole career, right? Writing those kind of feelings and, and putting them out there and, and yeah, for people to connect to. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I mean, that's probably why I'm... I'm like so obsessed with her. <laughs> I just think her stuff is so raw and so real and vulnerable, and it's like she's not really putting a lot of mask there. It's just kind of true, and she's not really, even if it's, you know, even if it's a song about just being really despicably jealous, she's honest about that. I mean, she's not encouraging people to be despicably jealous and and stuff, and she's not necessarily proud of it, but she's putting it out there, and, and she's not, you know, hiding it to make herself look bad. You know, she's just. She kind of shows the ugly feelings that women can have, and I, I love that. Mitski does a really good job of that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's definitely like a through line uh, to, to Mitski from from Fiona Apple. Uh, you mentioned spe- putting it all out there. I want to get you to put a, a track out there. We're going to play something off the Make It All show, uh, and if you have a reason why you're picking a song or, or an anecdote about it, we'd love to hear that. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see, which one should I do? I know you warned me that you were going to ask me this. Um, I mean, I might have to go with, uh, This Vacation, just because that's a song that, uh, we didn't do a music video for, well, haven't yet, maybe we will, um, that I feel like is, I don't know, yeah, really vulnerable and, and, um, kind of just about people who this this relationship I had that just uh, totally weighed on me and kind of like wanted to have all of my time and uh, didn't want me to actually feel anything and its whole thing was about I don't know it's just kind of about these toxic certain types of relationships and uh, we took a really long time making the structure this like certain weird way and then it's like one of the only songs on the record where we like actually um, our label and our manager and stuff were like, oh, I don't know if it should go on the record. I don't think it stands out, out that much. And then we went back in and we added all these like kind of, um, what, what do you call it? Um, like all these harmonies with like many, many layers as backup vocals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that they liked it still, but I was like, F you, me and Brad Wood love this. <laughs> <I'm putting it out. laughs> so we put it out, and I'm, I'm really, really proud of it. We were trying to sound like I don't know, like Queens of the Stone Age or something, and I think Brad did a good job making the percussion and stuff sound like that. Yeah. So this is one you <laughs> kind of had to fight for, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, we'll give that one a listen and uh, remind folks you're going to be at the Park Theater September 9th. Uh, Kelly, thanks very much for taking some time to talk. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Of this pride 
Stay. 
back here on Thank God It's Free Range, and that was a brand new song from Pine Grove. It's called Moment, and it was just announced that the group signed to Rough Trade earlier this week. Uh, Something that I got uh, earlier this week that actually came out uh, in the spring is the album Mint Condition from Caroline Spence. This came out on Rounder Records, and uh, boy, it's really beautiful uh, roots and uh, Americana album, and uh, I played Till You Find One, which was one of my favorites from the first listen to the record. Coming up, we're going to pick up the pace a little as we hand things over to After 8 Radio. I've got uh, a reissue from Spencer Jackson Family and the Pharaohs, courtesy of Ubiquity Records. I've got a new single from Montreal artist Leah, Toronto artist Young Clancy, and we're going to finish things off with a new single from Kiara, who uh, ages and ages ago, Got some of her first spins right here on this show. The new song is called Open My Mouth. Stick around for After 8 Radio coming up at 8. This is Thank God It's Free Range. We'll be back here next Friday, 6.30 to 8 p.m. on 101.5 UMFM.
Oh 